Well, well, well. Welcome back, listeners. This is another edition of It Was Either This Or, and we're your hosts. Yeah, Taylor Post and... Uh, Tom Brokaw. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever. You know, first episode, I said we were not able to ever and Rob Bell. Wouldn't that be the dream? Oh my gosh. No, I think the dream is being ourselves. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wow, you are really evolved too. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, what happened this weekend? Um, well, this... First of all, I do have a question about why we refer to this as weekend update. Because are we just recapping the weekend? Or the no, week? it's the weekend roundup. Weekend roundup. Well, it's Monday. Oh. We're just fresh off the weekend. That's kind okay. of the news culminated. That's when big events happen. That's true. I don't know. It's probably the latent work of SNL. Weekend yeah. roundup. Weekend it's update. Weekend update. Yeah, yeah, I see. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we were calling Justin Michael Che? That would be great. I call me Michael Che. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll be Michael Jost. No. Colin Jost. Colin Jost. Yeah. Um... Uh, well, just, uh, you know, nothing cultural, but personally, my landlord texted me and said he's selling my house. So I Hot have... dog. Was that an offer or was it like, hey, get ready to pack? Oh, he's the sweetest man. Okay. And he went out of his way to say, like, I'm selling this house. I don't want your life to be interrupted at all. So I'm going to, I think his intention was to sell it to someone who also would like keep it as a rent house. But he's such a great landlord. Why would he want that? Why would he care who bought it? I think because he's a nice man. Um, truly. No, but like, okay, I'm going to make the argument that a nice man would want the neighborhood stabilized and not have renters. Uh, maybe. He, like he had the sense if I sell it to another would-be renter, it's a gift I'm giving them by selling them his house? Um, by letting them... I mean, I think in his mind, everyone is like him. Oh, I see. He was going to sell it to somebody else so that you could keep renting it. Yeah, so that I could... We could oh, okay. Now the niceness is evident to me. Okay, I'm okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So he was like, no big deal. I want your life to be affected as little as possible. And then, you know, I sort of thought about it. And the thing that would actually make them, my life affected as little as possible is like, potentially, if I bought this house. So now I'm thinking about buying a house... I love it. And that's crazy. I, um, I'm i very anti-debt. I'm sort of Dave Ramsey-ish. Yeah. Never done the course, just, but um, I, I've, I've heard enough. I yeah. think that that's the smartest kind of purchase you can make. Well, it is. Well, that and educational I, Then debt. I would be in debt because I would be paying off more. I know, but there's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay. Credit so. cards are bad debt. I don't have a credit card. School loans are considered decent debt. I mean, there's still money, but it's a yeah. good investment in yourself. I have a small student loan. Um, Lamborghinis are bad debt. Okay. If you can't pay okay. cash for a Lamborghini, well, you should buy it. Well, it was either a Lamborghini or the house. I'm so. glad you went to the house. <laughs> You'd probably pay more for the Lamborghini. <laughs> I mean, that would be That's dead. That's so true. No, it is true. <laughs> But you'd probably pay more for a Lamborghini than most houses in Waco, to be honest. That's true. That's also true. Well, that's exciting news. Yes. What about you? Any weekend? Uh, oh, I got a list. Okay. okay so there was it. this. I don't. I should have got the full story. I've got enough details to make my point. Okay. There was like, I think it was somebody in the Marvel world, maybe, uh-huh. did like a post on Instagram. Um, which one of these? Ha- one has to go. You've seen oh. these. No big four people. Uh-huh. And you pick one. And it's like. A thought exercise. Yes, yesterday I saw one that was about carbs, and the options were bread, rice, noodles, and potatoes. Which one has to go? Bread, rice, noodles, potatoes. I th- oh gosh, I missed my pasta dishes, but I think noodles. Yeah, that's what my brother said. My sister shared a tweet, and it was somebody being like, "What if you have to go, Susan?" And I thought that was really funny, so I shared that. <laughs> I'll keep all the carbs. I like that. Susan can go. Hey, sometime on the weekend roundup, not today, let's, I'm going to do a whole list of reasons why it's painful to be off Facebook. Okay. I've discovered these. Okay. Okay, anyhow. Yeah. Um, so the thing was, one has to go, and it was four Chris's. Yeah. It was Chris Pine. Pine? Mm-hmm. 
Pratt, mm-hmm. Hemsworth, Evans. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is like under the guise of Marvel. Chris Pine was never in Marvel, was he? Oh, what a great question. I, I scoured. He was DC, I think. Okay. Well, anyways, the Chris's, right? With the Chris's. So um, Pratt got hammered. Yeah. And I felt very defensive about that for several reasons. Okay. Can I tell you what they are? Please. One, Star-Lord's my favorite Marvel character. Okay. And the one I get compared to the most. Is that um, like because of the movie or outside of the movie? Though? No, because of the movie. I've, okay. I've never read a comic book. Never? No. I used to read Archie comics. If oh, like yeah. Okay. I mean, if you count that kind of stuff. <laughs> Jughead. Okay, yeah. Remember that guy? I do. Um, and then um, also people told me I was like Andy from Parks and Rec. That's the one I really get the most. Right, yeah. So, uh, and they were, I didn't know this. I guess Pratt is outspoken about his faith. Um. Yeah. And people were going after him for that. So I guess what it was is some people did some things for Biden, like some of the Marvel stars. And Pratt was absent from this. Uh-huh. Which, so was Robert Downey Jr., sure. so was Mark Ruffalo. So, but for some reason, they said, well, look, he's a conservative evangelical. He didn't show up for the Biden thing. So people started, which yeah. is so dumb. What a what an argument from silence that you invented. Right. All that he said, I like, um, I like him a lot. You like Chris Pratt? And so I was thinking about my episode last week when I went after Adam Sandler a little bit for Huey Halloween. Oh, right, yeah. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to be a negative Nelly. Okay. So then I was listening to the podcast with um, called Smartless. It's hosted by Sean, what's his last name? He's on Will and Grace. Um, oh, you know, I don't know his last name off the top of my head. Well, I know you're about and now. Will Arnett and then Jason Bateman, and they had on Jennifer Aniston, and they said oh. her to ask her, who do you like working with the best? You know what oh. she said? Who? Adam Sandler. Because yeah. they did that they've Hawaii. Done a, they've done a number of movies together. Dose. They're Two. the Hawaii one. Uh-huh. And then they did one in Europe. Well, they did the, um, yeah, the murder mystery on Netflix, mm-hmm. which that was one of his Netflix movies that I really liked. Oh, yeah? So I that repent. Was, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. But, you know, it wasn't like a comedy in the vein of his comedies. It was kind of, it was right. a comedy. No, it was funny, but it wasn't uh, Billy Madison-esque. So I'm just, uh, this week I'm highlighting that movie that he did that I loved and all the other things I lo- love about him because I want to be a positive person. Okay, and not a negative Because I don't want to side with the people who make which Chris has to go memes. You know, they, um, it's so interesting you bring this up. Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler have apparently developed a pretty deep bond. Huh. Um, he spoke some about her in, when doing um, press for Uncut Gems and just how great she is and... I really appreciate that. I think. Did you see that movie? I did not see Uncut Gems. It had a very chaotic energy. I didn't think. Yeah, I, I kind of had the same. For. Thing. <laughs> That's such a good way to say that. Uh, well, Taylor, can I tell you? This is my next thing. Okay. Can I tell you why I'm really excited this week? Yeah. Of Guess course. who's preaching Sunday? Oh. <laughs> I'm preaching Sunday. I'm so I, you're my favorite preacher. No, that's too much. You're top five. Okay, okay. you're my favorite guest preacher. I'll take that. That's so kind of you to say. I well, really appreciate I just, that. You know, there's people who can dazzle you with like one good sermon, and there are people who can I appreciate their repertoire consistently. Uh-huh. And that list for me is very small, and mm-hmm. you are certainly on that list. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, uh, did you know this? I don't know. Guess who was in Waco this week? Who? You have to guess. Oh my gosh! Um, you start narrowing it, male, female. I, okay, okay, okay. Is, yeah, was it a guy or a girl? Male. It was a boy. Okay. And did they used to live in Waco? No, never. Never. No. And was it Tony Hawk? It was Tony Hawk. Okay. <laughs> you really got there quick. Yeah. Well, everyone was 
like flipping out. So about he, it. I guess he just showed up over that skate park on Columbus Avenue. Is that what happened? He just showed up. I don't know. I, I didn't get into the story. I just saw the pictures and. Well, first of all, I do think Tony Hawk seems like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, yeah, I think he helped me get that skate park made, right? Oh, did he? Yeah. Now the story's answered. But I think like you know, fifteen, twenty years ago, something. Like that. No, it's not that. Well, gosh, I've, yeah. I've been in my job thirteen years. Because I remember they were doing that skate park when I was still a park ranger. Okay. So that makes yeah. sense. Wow. Like he helped get it made? That's what I heard, yeah. Well, that would make sense. But he's like doing a photo op. Okay, okay, okay. I'm guessing. I don't know. Maybe or just maybe he just was driving through and was like, you know what? I got to get out and skate. I got to skate. I, Tony Hawk loves skating. It's a good skate park. Yeah. Well, I should say it looks good to me. That's what I know nothing about skate parks. But from the outs, as an outsider, it does look like a good skate park. Yeah. You know, um, before um, Tom Balk was here, I already know Tom Balk, that was uh-huh. held by a, a woman, I won't name her name, but man, every day she was so anxiety-ridden talking about that skate park. Because she designed it and everything, but she was like, a, she had to be the 6 of 6 Avenue. Oh, okay. And she was worried about insurance and liability, as somebody in that position should be. Should be, right. But by golly, she did it. She got the skate park made. Do you know what I feel thankful for? What? Both Waco and the town I grew up in, our city, Grand Prairie, Texas, for the record, shout out to Grand Prairie. Um, are cities that really care about local parks and it's just like there are some really great local parks in Grand Prairie and then I mean obviously in Waco they we yeah. have Cameron Park and other great local parks too and I just feel thankful that I've lived mostly in places that really care about like community spaces yeah I think that's cool it is a good we have a magnificent municipal park and we have other good parks yeah um, well, I just wanted to mention t- Tony Hawk. We're we're basically LA now here in Waco, yeah, Texas. Yeah, just celebrities hopping through all yeah. the time. All right, um, I'm not going to do this every week. I'm about 11 episodes in. Okay. Here's a question for you: okay. What number do you think Aaron Sorkin is? Oh, I couldn't even. I couldn't even begin to guess. He is so successful, uh-huh. you know. But I don't really get three vibes from him. No, I thought. I mean, he he seems to understand multiple kinds of energies. Yeah. And um, I could see an eight. Yeah. But I I mean, then there's like I feel like anybody who's really good at one thing like that, like Forteish, good, like uh-huh. Tarantino, uh-huh. et cetera. I mean, I, I always believe they're like fives. They they committed yeah. that far into anything. They leaned that far into it. But you know, um, eights connect to five. Yeah. They go to five in stress. And I also think it seems like um, the type of thing that a person who is a seven could mm. get really into, you know, and because it involves so yeah. many different types of things. Yeah, that's really good. Stay. Seven, eight energy. Yeah. And don't fives go to seven and stress? Yes. There's a relationship there. Yeah. Well, we, fives we, go to seven and stress and eight and stability. So. We've narrowed to three numbers. Yeah, one of those. Now, wouldn't that blow, blow our minds if we found he's at a nine or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think there's something to say for being a nine. Um and understanding so many perspectives. Right, right. But I do think the like the, the fast-pacedness of it makes me think it's not a nine, you know? That's a certain kind of... Because he's directing, too. I mean, he's... Yeah. I don't know if he directs, directs, but like he's in that room saying, yeah. I think. Well, so I'm listening to the West Wing podcast right now, and they um, talk about how the scripts were very exacting. Like, Aaron is like, if it's, um, you know, there was a scene recently with... Uh, oh, who's the reporter? The one who likes CJ. Um... Danny Kincannon. Yeah. And he said, you know, he goes, someone asked him a question and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's nine no's. And 
it's Josh Molina who eventually, well, he eventually becomes a character on the show. And he was saying, like, it, it was nine no's in the script. Like, I know from experience, that's not just him saying no as many times as he can fit in. It's like, yeah. it was nine no's. And if he said eight, they would have done another take. That kind of attention to detail is just what's astounding about him. It yeah. makes him so good. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to tell you this. We don't have an NBA section today, uh, but have you heard the talk about starting on Christmas Day? I haven't. Oh, my gosh. This is very good information for me because I'm excited. Oh, my gosh. What a year. I mean, just what a horrible year. But also, like, this means I'm getting basketball so close to other basketball. And that yeah. is exciting to me. Yeah. Um, but Christmas Day, that's when they started after that. Um, it was in 2011 after the Mavs won. And then there was, like, a lock. Oh, yeah. I and remember that. started on Christmas Day. Well, that was in the report. They talked about that. The other thing I read is um, this is going to be chaos for free agency, though, because of the short, short, short window. Yeah. And also, um, so the, I, I'm assuming that they won't go back to a bubble, that they will. I don't know. I don't know what you, I mean, I guess because the NBA, NFL and the MLB MLB have not. that, And hockey. I mean, everybody have kind of found a way to do this. So yeah. it'll be scant tickets. But those are smaller arenas than the other sports, right? So there's more yeah. money to be lost. Definitely. But they get they must get more advertising dollars. They've got to. I have no Well, clue. no, the NFL's the richest league in the Well, you know, and everyone's talking right now about how numbers are way down on people watching the NFL and the NBA and everything kind of. The like um I haven't watched a pitch of baseball. Um, you know, I haven't either. And normally around the playoffs I get interested, but this year it just hasn't Well, been I watch the box score every night and I'll watch highlights. I'm very much interested in the narrative. I'm just not going to make that investment. If yeah. it's West Wing or Game 6, no, yeah. West Wing. Well, and I would say baseball for me is my like third sport. So yeah, I'd rather watch football or basketball. It declines for me as I get older. I used to want to be snooty and be like, you know, baseball purist that attracted right. me for some reason. Yeah. But I just... I'm too, you know, I like drink Mountain Dew and Miller. I'm a football guy, and then I'm yeah. a... So. I did watch um, Moneyball the other night, though. Oh, such a... That's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, and such a great movie. Yeah. Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt yeah. both do very good jobs. I appreciated Brad Pitt. Like, the first time I watched it, I didn't appreciate that character as much as I did. Billy Bean? Most recent time, yeah. I think Brad Pitt's such a good actor. He finally won an he Oscar. Is. I think people decided, him and DiCaprio, that they um, they can't win Academy Awards because they're just pretty boys who look good. Yeah. A lot of substance there. Yeah. I do think that it's like, eventually people were like, I do think there's something about Brad Pitt in particular that's like, this man is so attractive to look at that he can't possibly be as good at acting right. as he seems God, to be. God doesn't give anybody that kind of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he is as good as act, well, acting as he seems to be. And then what baffles me is uh-huh. some some people don't find him attractive. Like no, Lindsay, that's, that's not true. That's not her guy. I think she's lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think she's doing it to make me feel good, but she did admit that Matthew McConaughey is good looking. Okay, okay. And she also thinks that um, High School Musical, or what's his name? Zac Efron? Yeah, she thinks he's steamy. Oh. Who was the first one you said? Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, Texans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I think Brad Pitt... In a, in a strange, bizarre way, gets more attractive as he gets older. He's got that magic. Yeah. I'm putting myself on the Brad Pitt plan. Okay. Tom Brady, too. That guy gets better looking the older he gets. Just, Tom Brady doesn't do it for me. Well, he does it for me. In any way. Not emotionally, not physically. <laughs> I think he's level-headed, and I think he really cares. I mean, you could call him a dud because he doesn't say anything, but... Sure. I think he's very positive in the locker room. Yeah. He's making the... I'll tell you what. 
the old Belichick Brady debate's about to be over good and well forever. Yeah. Patriots are like two and five now or two and four. Yeah. Well, Kim Newton had COVID though. Well, he didn't yesterday. They well, put Stidham in. No, here's the thing. I don't know anything. Cam Newton's a great quarterback. I just think the Belichick-Brady Buc- thing is. Buccaneers are 5-2. and two, Patriots are 2-4. and four. Yeah. We know who was carrying that ship into the night. That is interesting. Um, it's interesting to think about the le- like legacy implications for stuff like that. Me and Kathleen were talking about LeBron and this like fourth championship and yeah. the, the legacy implications. And I got to be honest. I thought it was Belichick. I thought he's going to get another quarterback. They're going to go right in that system. Because the year that Brady got injured, Garoppolo um, really performed. Or it wasn't Garoppolo. It was Matt Castle. Yeah. He just took the system over and then... Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Belichick's a genius. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks, wow, Dallas Cowboys. We just almost had Oh, my gosh. Did you see that hit? Tight end on um, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Yes, it was horrifying. I was at Bubba's 33 watching the Power Game because I couldn't get it here. Okay. Even though they're playing the Texans, and I live in Texas, I couldn't get that game on local TV. That is upsetting that you couldn't see the Houston Texans play football like so an hour and a half. So I'm in Bubba's, Houston. and they have the Dallas game on all the TVs around, but you, the game over the loudspeaker is the Cowboys game. Uh-huh. And I guess this wouldn't matter for this point, but when he got hit, like the whole bar was like, ooh, immediately. That yeah. was Yeah, that was the response because... It was, I mean, just looking at it was horrible. Oh, and not that um, concussions aren't bad. Right. I mean, but I like he didn't move at first and the right. ball rolled off. I'm like, right. oh, that stuff always freaks me out. Yes, me too. I'm like, cancel football. That's not right. Well, and it's like, because like, <laughs> cancel football. I know. Well, that's a real question we could think about. But um, we'll have John White on to help us solve that one. It is. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is just a couple weeks ago, you know, that it was Dak and his foot was like completely bent out of shape or like it like wasn't attached to his leg the way it was supposed to oh, be. Oh, yeah. And that was horrible to watch. And then this Andy Dalton thing. And then our third string quarterback was ineligible today or yesterday. I don't quite know why. Oh, isn't that Garrett? What's his name? Uh-huh. From uh, Gary, yeah. Texas. Oh. Oh, he, he's, he, you know what he did? What's his name? It's like, um, cause what's, who, who played? Do, Bucci, Danucci. He's not their third string. He's a fourth string. So, yes, their third stringer. Uh-huh. I can't think of his name. He played that Texas-Alabama National Championship game when Alabama won their first championship because uh-huh. Colt McCoy got injured at the beginning of the game. Oh, yes. Right, yeah. And then he transferred to SMU and finished his career. Oh. Yeah. You know, I like SMU. Yeah. They're, um, My parents know, went to law school there. Survived the death penalty. So, or is that what they call it? Yes. Some death? Yeah. Okay. Death penalty. All right, uh, last thing I have, I just want to give two shout-outs. Okay. We had two reviews this week. Oh, my god! Oh, we have 18 ratings. That's a couple more. Wow. But we have two written reviews. The one is uh, from our good friend, Dan Vinson. Yeah. Uh, five-star review for five-star oh. people. Love you guys. Green heart emoji. Oh, my gosh. I love Dan. Dan is just pure gold. He, you yes. know what? You know what I think about Dan? What? M- mature three. I don't think Dan is a three. He used to be. He thought he was a three for a while, but I think he's a four. Ah, oh, crap. We lost one. We lo- <laughs> you, you lost a good one. Yeah, we yeah. did. Well, okay. I rescind my compliment. <laughs> but I think he's pretty healthy for. Dan, thanks for tuning in. And thanks for the uh, the review. It means the world to us. And Yay. then our good friend, Craig Nash. Oh, my gosh. Did you read his? Yes. So this was very insightful. Craig used his... <laughs> He used his um, his review to give an opinion on something that was said in a previous episode when we were trying to decide between Dak Shepard's Enneagram number. Uh-huh. And um, we were f- waffling between yes. 7 and 8. And yeah. here's what Craig has to say. His review is, Dax is an 8, Crosby is a 7. Okay. 
What kind of genius is that? Yeah, that's really smart. That was really, really good. True. But then also, didn't he ask for us not to give him a shout out? Oh, <laughs> I know I'm reading this. <laughs> Make sure you wait until you get a lot more listeners before you thank me for this five-star review. Well, Craig, here's the good news. There's a chance that this will be our highest listened to episode because of our special guest today. Yeah. Who, in just a minute, you're going to get to hear from Kelly Harp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe, Craig, if nobody reviews us for a while, we'll use your review again to yeah. uh, promote we can, reviews. We can shout you out again later, Craig. Don't yeah. worry about it. Um, I haven't looked at our data, but I don't think you're... Losing out on a ton of people here. <laughs> so, uh, you know what, though? It's time for us to uh, listen to a couple of commercials from our sponsors. Taylor, are you like me in that really since COVID, your exercise life has essentially gone down the crapper? <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. I might have a solution for us. Okay. What if you could not only get great exercise, by, but do it by doing something that you love with a community of people who are going to make you feel like a million bucks? Oh, my gosh. That sounds amazing. Wouldn't you want that? Yeah. Well, boy, do I have great news for you. Okay. You can have all of that. My friends over at the Refit Studio offer dance classes that will change your life and get your ticker pumping. Refit offers dance classes all throughout the day, almost every day of the week, in their brand new state-of-the-art COVID-safe studio over off Washington Avenue. Would-be exercisers can join for as long or as little as you like. One class is $10. can get a 10-pack for $80, one month for $75, six for $69, six months, that is, one month for $75, or sign up for one year for for just $59 a month. But wait, there's more. Okay. If listeners act now, they can get a refit membership for the rest of the year for just $59. That's almost three months of exercise greatness for the price of one month. Wow. So if you'd like to change your life with a couple of wake wins of the year, check out the Refit Revolution at refitstudio.com or 254-262-5979. That's 254-262-5979. Taylor. You got two dogs, don't you? I do. Where in the Waco area can you get the best canine health care possible? Well, I have found that the best canine health care possible is found at Hewitt Veterinary Clinic. Or sometimes referred to as the Hewitt Veterinary Hospital. Oh, is it? Well, that's what was on the uh, internet. Oh my gosh, okay. Uh, well, no way. That's the exact place I wanted to talk about. Yay! Uh, Hewitt Veterinary Hospital is Central Texas's number one animal care facility. And that's not just me being a homer. That's the data you'll find on the internet. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They've got the latest vaccination, heartworm prevention, flea tick prevention, and cold laser scans. Uh, you know what I love about HVH? What? Their state-of-the-art technology, including the best pet scans, cat scans, or dog scans. HVH is led by world-renowned Dr. Kristen Dotson. Yeah. Listen to a few of these testimonials. Garfield said, HVH is better than lasagna. Old Yeller said, if I went to HVH, maybe things could have turned out different for me. <laughs> Scooby-Doo said, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> So for the best pet care in all of Central Texas, call 254-666-5050. That's 254-666-5050. Or go to Hewitt Vet. Well, i got to actually look that up. Anyways, you'll find it on the internet. Also, they're so nice. They are the kindest, kindest people. They are, love animals so, so much. Okay, we're back, and I think we're live. Taylor, can you jump in and speak into the microphone? Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh, we have a guest today. Wow, we have a guest today. I think we have to give Elliot Cry uh, credit as our first oh, guest that's ever. True. That's Do you true. know Elliot? That's true. I, you know what? We're like adjacent. We're Cry adjacent. Yeah, because he's eighth. Their twins are eighth, and um, okay, your son yes. is... In eighth, yeah. I didn't think about that. <gasps> yeah. Yes, right? Oh, Next year high school. Oh, my gosh. That's Holy so smokes. crazy. Well, hey, you've talked now, and we haven't even introduced you. We okay, are so I'm excited to, to so have our first in-person guest today. Yes. We welcome the lovely... Kelly Harp. Kelly Harp. Yay! Thank you, guys. Thank 
Kelly, let's just do some uh, fun biographical information first. Okay, wait. Okay? Can we first, though, say that I asked to be on this podcast? Well, <laughs> yeah. You did. You that. did. That is in print. I don't know that I believed you. I think you were being kind to me. No. Yeah. Well, we're honored to have you here. Anyhow. Uh, yes. Favorite season? Fall. In Texas? Everywhere? Yeah, because it gives me hope. Okay. Oh, that's so It's kind of, you know, that's kind of flipped in the church calendar. I mean, it's yeah. like death everywhere. Right. Everything's dying. But True. Is, that, is this like a very Enneagram 4 answer? <laughs> I, I kind of was going to, yeah, observe, observe that that might be the case. Yeah. Well, I'm a cheery three, and fall is my favorite holiday, too. Not necessarily oh, here. Here, I know. Oh, my gosh, in the north? I know. Well, I think we're having a great fall. This is a good fall. This, this, is this is week good, this is, is from crazy. Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you have any questions for her? Favorite holiday? Um... Ooh, should I ask favorite holiday? Or well, are you I mean, suggesting that? No, you <laughs> I, that's an interesting we one. Don't need, is... We don't need any um, chauvinism. You pick your own question. <laughs> um, as a woman, I'm going to choose to ask the question Joss posed. So what's your favorite holiday? It's actually Halloween. <gasps> oh. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Now that thing's coming out real strong. <laughs> you mean Fall Festival? <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh, All Saints Day? Oh, my yeah. gosh. I just love, like, I, it's, like, less pressure. You yeah. Know, like, as a mom, Christmas is so much fun. I get it. And Thanksgiving. But Halloween is like, get a costume. Just fun. Like, yeah. It's just fun eat some and you candy. walk around. I will candy. say, on this street, it is yeah. so much fun. Yeah. It's like a party. Well, not this year, because we're going to be safe. But yeah. uh, Okay, similarly, given that the store transforms from season to season, what's your favorite um, season to watch the store fill up with items? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I that would have to be Christmas because yeah. it's just such a big transformation. And I have to give props to our all of our friend Kristen Crawford mm. who heads up most of that now. But I do still do all the buying and so we go buy everything in Imagine all together and in January actually, oddly enough, for the very next year. And then she really does it now because she's amazing. Yeah. I do have a question. Okay. Um uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't really have anything to do with these seasonal questions we've been asking, but um, it's kind of a fun one that I just am interested in your answer, but what's your favorite part of, like, being a mom? Oh, my gosh. That is such a deep question. <laughs> yeah. That's a great one, but... Um, well, I just feel I, like you're so... For the record, I feel like you're such a good mom, and your oh, kids are so great, so I just oh, wanted to... Thank you ask. for that. Sure. I really appreciate that. I think that in the stage that I'm at now, so we're all like school-aged and Mm -hmm. um, doing a lot for ourselves, so I have a little perspective. I think like watching little people make their way in the world Uh is like amazing, you know, and make these choices and, you know, like sometimes you're just so busy in the like lunch making and the breakfast and the, did you get your homework done and all the like things and then you you like look up and notice they're like making choices for their yeah. lives and you're like oh my gosh like that's in you like that's incredible yeah. like oh wow let me stop for a minute and like let's Just talk about this marvel yeah yeah that's so cool thank you okay kelly uh let's get into your biography a little bit here okay uh, what i'll let you tell us who you are and then we can unpack that as as you wait first can you tell everyone who you thought I was in reference to Harry Potter. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah, you did. (laughs) Did you find that offensive? No, I liked it. Okay, so we you guys moved here what year? I can't remember. Two thousand something ish? Yeah, like yeah. Okay. Uh well (laughs) um number three wasn't born yet. I can date it that way. Yes. So when was she born? 
2012. We moved here in 2011. Okay. So um, you um, you do a variety of hair colors at all <laughs> points, which I love. I love. <laughs> and you have the longer hair, and you always have super hip, cool, fun-looking glasses. Mm-hmm. And I was uh. just getting a little bit of a Trelawney vibe there. <laughs> I was trying to guess who it would have been. My yeah. guess would have been Luna Lovegood, for the record. Oh, I love She's her. She's so great. But okay, Trelaw- yeah. I mean, both, both great. Both great. Both, both great. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, but how would you self-describe? What's your job? You have a store. We've indicated that already. Yes. Okay. Well, when I have to be like all, you know, profesh, I would say owner and designer at Harp Design Co. Done. Okay. Um, but do you do you feel like a celebrity? No. Why not? Because um, I think we're I'm gonna not. Get, we're going <laughs> to get into all the unhealthy parts of me being a three. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Go. I do want to say this because this is relevant. I'm not just trying to... Um, pander here, but okay. you do have 70,000 followers on the Instagram. I think it's less now. <laughs> well, you keep losing them, which we're all <laughs> also going to talk about. But um, yeah. you have some reach culturally. Um, okay. Yeah, that's and, a big deal. And your, okay. your husband um, has some reach culturally. He's mm-hmm. 430. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Josh does. Josh has Enneagram 3. Knows. Yeah, no, it's exactly Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've uh, been paying attention here. Yeah. No, this is interesting. I, we, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet. As they say, don't count your chickens before they hatch. We have a guest lined up tentatively. We'll see if it works oh. out. Oh. Who um, has a blue check mark oh, no, on that's Instagram. Okay. Um, but said person has like 1,500 followers. Okay. And so there's, it's not just what kind of reach do you have? Because I thought you should have had a blue check mark. Oh, thanks. I, yeah, we worked on that at one point, and then do you have to have a, like apply for a blue check mark? Yeah, you do, and it's really weird. And it's like, not it's just like, you have a million followers. No, you have to like be in in several like media kind of publications and stuff, which I actually oh. was because of our oh. show. So it was like timing. We should I should have pushed it more. Can you um, a certain time? Yeah. Can you tell us what the algorithm is? <laughs> we have something to shoot for. <laughs> so we can work on it. No, it, I like literally can't because it's really weird. Like it's like it's an insight. And maybe this was like maybe three or four years ago. So maybe they've like done more work around it now but it's like secretive it's it's actually super weird what do you think there's like on instagram there's like joke accounts that have like millions of followers or whatever and it's like they don't have a a right even though they have like a bunch of followers right so yeah i guess it would have to be something more specific than like just how many followers do you have no yeah it doesn't have to do with that it has to do with like my understanding is something about like how you have to have so many like media sources or something that talk about media sources that quote you or right or reference your you've been on national tv though that's got to come for something yeah i mean i could probably really push it but i just can we do that for you can we be your campaign to get a blue check start a a campaign yeah yeah i mean i do think sometimes i think i i should do that but i don't know but then you know you know then i start thinking about like enneagram for intellect you know existential questions like what is a blue check mark you know <laughs> oh i would i would blow right past all yeah. that and get that yeah, check mark what is a blue, what is, a blue what is it mark? anyway and what does it say about culture <laughs> exactly hey, before we do the uh, discussion here um, more on your biography i read clint's book in january okay. and one of the, i of yeah, course know right. your story i feel like pretty well but one of the yeah. things that i was um kind of tickled, I don't know if that's the right word to remember, was that you guys spent some time in France. Oh, right. And yeah. I was thinking about, like, I can see Kelly being French. Oh, You fit yeah. France. Like, I you loved lived it. in France? Yeah, we did. For how in long? In Paris. 
nine months and oh then three months in Holland before. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Doesn't Kelly just seem like somebody who could yeah. be from France though? You're, yeah. You're nice yeah. though. You're, I don't yes. find the French very nice. You know what? Nobody was ever rude to us. It's so weird. It's because yeah. you guys look like you'd fit in there though. Yeah. You well, didn't look American. I will say we worked really hard to not fit stereotypes, like not be loud and not, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I really loved it. it well, really I wore my time. neon green tiger shirt and my cargo shorts when I was there. And I they, remember. they could tell with my giant backpack. <laughs> hey, guys. Like, I know. I remember you coming back from Europe. You were like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> like, that might be a direct quote. <laughs> well, especially eh about France. I know. It's so disappointing. Yeah. The okay. Irish were okay. The yeah. British were nice. Although right. I, I get to London and the first lady I talked to. Um, somehow, inevitably, we got up on Harry Potter, and she's like, "Yeah, there's that platform nine and a half, um, whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, we're never gonna be friends again." Oh, you knew that. She, she got it wrong. She butchered. She lives there, and she couldn't get that mm. right. Forget yeah. it. Yeah, I don't yeah. care if you are nice. To you me. had to come from America to That's let right. her know. Yeah. You know what the best yeah. country in Europe was that I went to? What? what? Switzerland. Oh. They're just the the highways were clean and nice. The towns were nice. It was the most American. It was very expensive. Oh, my gosh. Oh my Did gosh. you just yeah. say the most American? I know. <laughs> I don't care who I offended. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it culturally. It's fine. My day's come and gone. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing. I'm sorry. All that to say, you could be French. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks. European vibes, for sure. Thank mm-hmm. you. Okay. Sorry, Kelly. I digress. Do you have any That's other biographical good. questions for her? Um, no, I don't. That was really fun. Like, I feel like... We got some fun info. We got some job info. Well, where are you from, Kelly? Where did you like grow up? Tyler in East Texas. Okay. Yeah. Are you? Do they have a billboard for you there? They should. Oh my no, and definitely not now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but of course, who else can Tyler claim? They've had other famous. Earl people. Campbell. Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah. They probably put Earl Campbell up before you. No offense. Well, like literally, they just did something for him. Literally oh. just so, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> yeah. I would like a good um, billboard that was three quarters Earl Campbell and then a quarter Kelly Harp. Oh my god! I think that would be fair. Well, thank you. I don't know. Earl I think Campbell's Tyler's an amazing. interesting place. <laughs> it is an interesting place. It is. There's a lot of really good people. It's very deep south. Yeah. You know, like and people don't realize that no. Texas has that part. When you say East deep, Texas is like. Mm-hmm. Much more like the South than any other part of Texas. Okay, you yes. guys answered my question. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still learning cultural geography even after oh, okay. 16 years. So you mean like the old Miss kind of yes, like 100%. decked out the... Yeah, okay, the you, yeah I graduated from Robert E. Lee High School, and they just changed it this past summer. Oh, yeah. Does it have just, a new name yet? Yeah. What's it called? Legacy. Okay. Is that... You, you say that like you're disappointed. Um, I, I am disappointed that... Yeah, because I think the whole problem with Robert E. Lee is a legacy problem. The whole problem with the South, the whole problem with the Confederacy, and the fact that we have not recognized it, like, for example, in the way that the Germans recognized the Nazi regime. Was sure. Yeah. So, like, if there was a high school in Germany called Hitler, you know, hi, hi, and then everyone finally realized, how, how long is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, hundreds a hundred whatever years later oh we really shouldn't do this and then it was a controversy and several times they had to vote and then finally they voted because of a national and really worldwide cultural moment they finally voted and they chose legacy 
And I think that's unfortunate. Could have taken a moment to maybe honor somebody else or yeah. some other some other, you know, sort of cultural situations as yeah. opposed to just Yeah. I do think I can see how legacy would seem sort of like a I wink or in sort of like we know what legacy we're referring to right they've made us change this but this is our I wink that's how it feels to me yeah Yeah. for sure and I think it's just unfortunate um there's just a lot of history there and I I think that people don't well I'll speak for myself it I've only just really realized like for example the way the Germans Mm -hmm. like we just talked about treat um, what happened during World War II and the Nazi regime. I mean, it's it, there's like literal laws against it, you know? Yeah. We haven't done that in this country. Yeah. So, like, it even takes time for, you know, progressive people to go, oh, yeah, there's a, you know, yeah. connection there. I just think that's such a disservice to our culture. It's a mm-hmm. disservice to our nation. It's certainly a disservice to the black community. I mean, <laughs> I feel like disservice is a, not even the right <laughs> yeah. word. You know, yeah. like it's literally, frankly, it's costing people their lives. You yeah. Know? yeah. So. Well, it's interesting. Uh, this is where we want the discussion to go. Um, I feel like we still need to kind of set up the story of why you're here and why I want to talk to you about this. Okay. One real quick side note, though. Um, you mentioned Germany. I remember being in high school and taking German class. And when we got to like nationalism, that was he didn't, our teacher didn't frame it that way, but you know, talking about, well, you know, there's the World War II, and I'm listening to this, like, mm, good, that's very mature of them, you know, like, good job, Germany, you should, you know, uh-huh. and then like having no clue about my own complicit um, disposition to our own heritage and, yeah. and, you know, patriotism is still really big here and almost expected, demanded. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have holidays around that. And... Anyhow, okay, so. Um, we do want to talk to you about all that stuff and more. Before okay. we get there, I want to talk to you about um, sort of the development of where you got to be culturally, who you are. Uh, I don't know what we can and can't name names. You and Clint were part of a national TV show. Mm-hmm. I can leave we it were, like that. If people yeah. want to Google you. They can. Oh, yeah, you can say it. Okay, you were on Fixed Rubber. Yeah, Clint really was. But, but we, you were we in did. there a yeah, couple we did. times. Yeah. And yeah, you guys did that other show, Woodworking. It had a few episodes that aired. We did. We did. Were, yeah, we did a couple shows. You were featured in that. Show. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you slowly, through time, um, you know, you use your social media to promote the business, to do your life, and slowly but surely you have, what, 80-some thousand followers. Not that you intended to do that, but that's just what happened. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, let's start here. When did you, what was the first moment you decided to use your platform to speak about what was important to you? And what was that? Well, I mean, I would say, like, I... I think I was always speaking about what was important to me um, and I was always really trying um, to share what felt like real life you know mm-hmm. and kind of like I just felt like you know like if this is crazy I'm like having this platform where all these people are like joining me in this and I knew that I did not want to continue like this, oh, perfect life kind of thing, which can happen and happen from the very beginning, I think, on Instagram. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I was always thinking, how can I share, like, real life? Because people think that, you know, and I mean, myself included, before I was in this industry, like, you you just, like, get on TV and you make all this money and you have this certain kind of life, you know, and that's, right. like, not true at all. And. So I was wanting to like share about that and just like have kind of like a communal maybe experience of mm-hmm. it. 
Um, and so I really enjoyed that. But then sometimes like the Enneagram for existential part of me would be like, what am I doing? What is Enneagram? I mean, Instagram, like what, you know, what am I really sharing here? How is this helping? And so I would just like stop doing it for a while. And, you know, and then also I can't help but think about like, I'm trying to be real on Instagram, but what is that? Instagram's not really real. I'm not going to really be like, oh, Clinton, I just had a fight, you know, or like really, so I'm still curating what people see. And, you know, that whole idea of, like, I'm judging what's inside of me to what's outside of y'all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's real problematic. And even, like, we know that if it affects people's health, so should we just all get off? And You know, just yeah. all of these, like, questions. So then when – I think this spring with COVID, of course, um, I shared some about that and just thinking, oh, maybe I can, like, share and, like, helping people, like, as we all work through all this craziness. You and mean, then, like, wear a mask or do you mean, like – Hey, well, at that point, well, at that point, we weren't wearing masks, so more kind of like, oh my gosh, we're all stuck at home with kids. We've got a school. Like, here's some resources, or mm-hmm. do, you, or you know, like, do you feel crazy too? You know, like yeah. kind of normalizing that. You mm-hmm. know, like this is, you know, how people were like baking bread and all that, yeah, and like I was baking and, bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was awesome and like yeah. helpful. But then also like it's okay if you're in a moment where you're kind of going crazy yeah. or you know whatever. And so then just as we all experienced, you know, Ahmaud Arbery um, Mm -hmm. be killed in Georgia like that, and then um, the murder of George Floyd, I mean, it was just like, and we're all home, you know, like watching this and then watching just the protests and then riots and then just, I mean, I was just like, Clint was gone um, at one point um, and I was just like watching on CNN just, and like, it's just felt like, what do we do with this? You know, like, oh my gosh. And just like, onion layers being peeled off and like you know um and I just was like we just got to talk about this like you know what is my social media if we're not all talking I don't know I don't think any of us really know what it is but I started really like talking about stuff then so that was like yeah this late spring yeah it was like April May yeah May Mm -hmm. I think end of May so but like you mentioned those names That was May. Do you remember making a conscious decision at that point? Or did that just feel like an outflow of the next thing you wanted to post on social media? I, um, no, I think it was a conscious decision because I knew, like, I'm from Tyler. I know, you know, I know what this is going to mean to people. And I know their reaction. And I know my own reaction, right? Right. I've tried really hard to join in and critique myself and... Um, and not be like those people over there, but like, which is a major problem we have in this country right now, but think about my own complicity in it and share in that and come from that space. Mm -hmm. But it made a lot of people really upset for sure. And I do think it's, it's so good to hear you talk about like talking about our own complicity, right? I think especially as white people in this country, um, when we're talking about race, it's, it feels like such an inevitable part of the conversation because we all are complicit in the sort of systemic racism that is rooted very deeply in this country. And I think, you know, I hope that that, I think sometimes when I share things like that on social media, I'm always hoping that that will make it easier for people to hear Mm. that I'm sort of also saying like, that I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling all of us out. I'm calling myself out. That's good. But um, 
it sometimes doesn't make it easier for people to hear. You yeah. Know? They don't, it's not necessarily a situation where they feel better because you've also called yourself out. Like, I think because it's so, part of it is because it is so deeply rooted and it's um, like what you were talking about earlier. It's so hard for people to see. Yeah. Like, I think even as a person who thought a lot about things like this growing up, my parents cared very deeply about the way that we interacted with people who were different than us in a lot of ways. But they, I still don't think I saw the heart of it or the root of it or how deeply racism was ingrained in our country. Because it's hard to see if you don't, if people aren't calling it out. So yes. it's so important, I think, to share things like and I think social media, you know, like you said, I don't. What do we know what it is? Yeah, I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think about when I got Facebook in like two thousand five, and how if you had told me ten years later I would still have a Facebook, or fifteen years later I would still have Facebook, I'd probably be like, no, this is a thing we're gonna grow out of, you know? And yet here it is, and still around, and still such a thing that affects our country. And yeah. so, I think it'll be interesting in like fifty years to see what's the effects of social media on our country and on, on ourselves so yes anyways all that to say that i do think that's such an important part of it is calling out ourselves yeah i think so too i think it's really important and even the um people of color mainly women of color that um follow me on instagram would say that to me and like give me that really great feedback they'd be like oh really appreciate it when you speak from yourself mm -hmm. as well and what you're learning and that was super valuable to me mm -hmm. and um i dm'd back and forth some with some um women of color and kind of developed and of course i have some friends in real life too but um who could give me some feedback and mm -hmm. i was able to say like hey if i because i kind of just one thing that did click for me quickly was like wait like if I'm offending people of color within this space then that mm -hmm. for sure is wrong right. you know like mm -hmm. you know like <laughs> feels kind of like when we talk about God like I don't know a lot of things I can say for sure but I can there's a few you know like yeah. can, and it felt like that to me and so I was able to give some people like hey if this I was able to speak and then also apologize for my part in it uh -huh. um and then say, like, if this ever doesn't feel good to you, would you let me know and help me with that? Mm -hmm. And that was super helpful. And um, I just it just felt like, yeah, like scales falling off of your yeah. eyes, you know, to use a biblical reference. And it continues to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I even, in my real life, I had people that I was really good friends with, people of color, that said things to me that they had never said, mm -hmm. you know, or people you know, a part of oppressed, even different oppressed communities mm -hmm. that said things to me that they never said. And I was shocked, mm -hmm. you know, like, can you clarify, is that because you were a safe space yeah. to them for the first time and they knew it? Well, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but, but my understanding, and it's not even like they necessarily explain this to me, but my understanding was that because I was so open with with my views um, and and with my own work, mm -hmm. I think with my views, with my own work, like you said, Taylor, mm -hmm. of like I'm complicit in this, my own stuff. I felt like a safer space to be like, oh, this is what's happened to me, you know. And it, it just and then and then some people that I was friends with on Instagram, 
Um, because I had been, like a lot of us, Taylor, I, I didn't grow up like you did mm-hmm. with a lot of um, understanding and knowledge about this, but I have been doing a you know decent amount of work as an adult. Yeah. And I had been for the past couple years like trying to diversify my feed and felt that was really important. And so because I, even though that's very small work now, but because I had at least done that, I, I could see what all of those people that I... Some of them I kind of know in real life, like we've DM'd, but some of them I don't know at all, but I have a level of trust with them, you Mm -hmm. know? And then to see, this is something I think social media can really help us with, by the way, because um, then to see them speak about these things and understand how, you know, it's affecting their lives. Like, it's like, it's not some other people out there. It's like our friends and family members that are being affected by this, you know, and by our implicit biases Mm -hmm. and our complicit, and our not saying something. Right. I mean, I think that's what is so, or that's something that I really appreciate about like Dr. Kendi's work that he's like, mm-hmm. you're, there's racism and there's anti-racism. There's nothing in between. Right. And also it's not a tattoo you put on yourself. It's like, especially for white people, it right. is like, it is a, it's in the moment mm-hmm. all the time. And it's something that we have to work on. And I just started like listening to these voices. Of course, a lot of podcasts and stuff were having people on. Yeah. Um, and I listened to Dr. Kendi has a podcast with um, Brene Brown and then also with Armchair Expert. And it's so good. You know, it's just like, what? Like scales, you know, like, yeah. I just, like falling off and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, just this. And of course, this is work that these people have been doing. Well, experientially their whole life, people of color, but like academically for so long and right. we're like huh what you yeah. know and there's some a lot of humility that comes in with that of just like oh gosh we really not we, we really got it. it yeah we, we really missed, missed it. it that's a good word yeah I do think it's interesting to me because it reminds me of um I uh, I was a resident chaplain at Baylor we had a training one time on sexual assault and like the pastoral response in the moment to sexual mm-hmm. assault and um, they brought in a therapist to talk about it, and she was sharing statistics um, about like how frequently women are sexually assaulted, and especially on college campuses. And so there were 15 of us, and it, there were like four women and 11 men, and all of the men in the room were like, "Oh, these numbers are insane! You're telling me that like one in four women are sexually assaulted," mm-hmm. and everyone kept being like. I mean, all the teachers, leaders of this moment kept saying, like, yes, that is how frequently it happens. And it was, like, their response to me was shocking because it's, like, I the amount of women I know who have been sexually assaulted is, like, probably more than one in four. And also, like, the, the fact that we, I mean, you know, all the things that I feel like are more part of the general conversation at this point are, like, you know, that we call each other when we get home, that we walk with our keys in our hands, that we have certain, you know, things we don't do or that we would never do because we know that, like, we might be unsafe. Mm -hmm. And I did feel a similar moment this spring as a white person, but, like, obviously me on the other side of it, of, like, oh, all of my friends, their whole lives have been, like, they have these ways that they move through the world because they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, like, like you said, scales just being, like, And this is a thing I've thought about for a a long time now, and I've been trying to do this work. And still, it was like, I do think there was a like it was like the scales fell from our cultural eyes this this spring and summer. Obviously, not everyone's, but more people than ever before, I hope. Yeah. And so, and everyone just kind of was like, 
I think it was really a lot of people were seeing for the first time. Like, so these are, I mean, my friends who are people of color, they're having to full on move through the world differently yes. than yeah. I do because they are not safe in our society. Yeah. And I do think, you know, understanding is such an important part of this work. Like yeah. until you understand that that is true, mm-hmm. it's, you don't really see the point of like, you're like, everyone's just out here living their lives. It's good. Everybody's good. And it's not, that's not the truth. You know, that's like the first step is seeing the reality of how that's not true. Mm. And I think we did have a a larger cultural moment this summer, but then it's interesting because so that happened and you're still getting kind of blowback from sharing things like that, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I do. I do still get that. Um, I, I keep thinking, oh, they're probably all gone by now. And then no, (laughs) they're not. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I, and then I struggle with that because I have blocked a lot of people because of like true nastiness. Um, well, I don't want to use the word nasty, uh, true. We've reclaimed that word. Um, true meanness. Um, mean spiritedness um and that's not that doesn't capture it but you know what i'm saying um i mean hatefulness hatefulness yeah your emotional health is part of what you could decide too right i mean we can tolerate dissenting views but when it starts to dig at you you get to draw a boundary yeah 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 that's good thank you pastor josh (laughs) yeah that's really good and true and um i can tend to think like, oh, I want to, I don't want to block them because then they can't see this. Well, it's not helping them, you know, <laughs> and actually being blocked might help them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm doing it for me. So it'll just be their experience, however they experience that. But yeah, I, I, it is hard even to draw those boundaries because it's okay. And I think that's just a whole other conversation. It's okay for people to disagree, um, obviously, you know, um, but right. I think I saw, um, Design mom, Gabrielle Blair, do y'all know her? There's actually a fixer-upper connection with her. Ooh. But I know, interestingly, um, anyway. Um, but she has spoken out a lot. She's actually a conservative, well, no, she's Mormon, which is a conservative religion. That's sure. what I mean. Right. But um, interestingly, but she's spoken out a lot about a lot of issues. And um, she talked about, she had this whole, like, thread, anyway, And, um, you know, people, of course, accused her of, like, you're not allowing people at your table, you know, because that's, like, the argument, right? When it's, like, hey, this is, this racism is not okay. This misogyny is not okay. This making fun of disabled people is not okay, you know? And so people are, like, oh, you know, you're not, you're not allowing people to table. How will we ever compromise if you don't do that? And her response was, yeah, I draw a line at who I let at my table. Yeah. Like, who do you, do you, what, what, who, who would you not allow at your table? A Nazi or a, you know what I mean? And Well, and I do think it's like, yeah, I'm, um, you know, so if they're saying like, uh, how can we come to a compromise? It's like, I think my response to that is like, I'm not looking to come to compromises with racism. Yeah. That's not a thing I'm looking to compromise with because it is an absolutely bad thing. Right. And so, <laughs> so and at some point, it's like, I hope that person will walk away from racism. And of course, I still believe they're created in the image of God. They're sure. a totally loved person. Yeah. But the thing I'm not going to allow at my table is racism so that I can preserve space for the people of color who mm. are in my life and who just have probably experienced many tables that they 
weren't welcome at or that it was like you're welcome here but we are going to tolerate this racism right and that's not really welcoming no no and I think I I kind of get the feeling that our friends of color and just people of color in our community that's what they've been getting from us without us realizing it because we are we are complicit in it right Mm -hmm. because until we come out and say and talk about it and, and really frankly talk about it frequently you know like then they don't know are right. are we going to because what happens is and it's the power dynamic that we were talking about earlier um before the podcast but what happens is as humans when we're sitting literally at a table right now so when we have somebody like the that is racist you know only a little racist right right <laughs> that's the only, other thing i think is funny but anyway you know we they often have well like right now for example politically they have more power mm-hmm. so um we and a lot of times in the family by way of years or money or whatever they have more power mm-hmm. and so we don't want to ask make it awkward with them mm-hmm. And it's all happening subconsciously. So we make it awkward and we expect our friend of color to absorb that. Mm -hmm. That's just what's been happening, you know, because we don't want to make it awkward. Mm -hmm. And so until we come out and become that safe space and say, like, no, I will make it awkward with the people in power, Mm -hmm. then they never know. What are we going to do in that situation? What do they want to be put themselves in that situation to see what we're going to do? You know, and then and then when they're like, oh, well, then I can't come or I can't be a part or they express any kind of upset about it. Then we what we often do is go to the person with the least power, you know, them Mm -hmm. and say, like, well, you're making it awkward, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just I don't know, just kind of realizing all these dynamics is just nauseating really yeah okay i have another question and i want to be uh very cognizant of what's happening here we're three three white people sitting around a table Mm -hmm. talking about race um and let me so what i want to name is there could be a chance that this question sounds like i'm trying to celebrate the heroism of your white advocacy oh i don't mean to do that okay um I am very analytical and I ask questions about what actually makes people change and how can I accomplish it, which isn't always the healthiest question. Um, and I think in the process of all of us as white advocates doing that, you come to a point where you either consciously or subconsciously negotiate um, in your head what you're willing to sacrifice to use your voice. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me as a pastor of a congregation of about 500 people, that's relatively small in the grand scheme of things. Um, and still, every time I do that, I'm, I'm letting all of that pour into who I am and how I speak because I have to be conscious of that, at a, even at a level that I wouldn't if it was just my own voice. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, I don't at all for a second believe that you could care about how many followers you have on your social media accounts. I do think, though, that you are part of a larger organization where you have to be conscious of um, how your voice could impact that. Yeah. And if you process that at all, and if you did, where, where you ultimately found your courage and how you move forward. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It makes me think of Brene Brown on her podcast, Ask Like Five Rapid Fire Questions, if y'all ever listened to it at the end. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, you're really scared. You you feel called to do something like this. You feel called to do something. You're really scared. What do you do? And of course, she's asked this. I've heard it. So you, I think oh, about yeah. what, would I, what would I say? And I'm always like, I just do it. And I don't know if that's a good idea, honestly, but I'm, I am Maybe saying, you'll get a Nike commercial. Oh my gosh, right. Just do it. Nike, right. Um, I just, I don't know. That's the space I'm in right now. And 
I, I can, because of um, some of my religious training growing up, the, the negative parts of that, I can be very like, but how do I do this perfectly? You know, and right, which mm. if you guys have seen, this is mind blowing. So many black af- activists have talked about how perfectionism is rooted in white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And let me just say the first time I heard that, I was like, oh my God, okay. You know, um, which Brene Brown has also helped me with when you start saying, oh, that's too much. You stop yourself and go, oh, too much for who? whom I think is the correct but anyway so I've tried to implement that anyway so my perfectionism um is I want to talk about another story I'll tell it in a minute but anyway um my perfectionism makes me want to stop and do it correctly right Mm -hmm. well I don't know how you speak up against racism in this culture correctly Mm -hmm. you know and that does help me a lot I don't know how you um, advocate against bully leaders in this culture correctly. Like even asking that question is really dumb. It's the wrong question, yeah. right? And I mean, I'm telling, I'm imparting my wisdom to you guys right now, but I, it's a struggle. It's such a struggle because I can get into that and be like, oh my gosh, is this right or wrong? Or, But I just think that's the wrong question, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I don't think that anybody has ever stood up against something that was really difficult and also really right without consequences. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just think you... Can you... I was trying to intuit as you unpacked. Um, okay. Can you expand on what she means by um, perfectionism being rooted in white supremacy? Yes. But you might have to like sit... My experience was that I had to really had to sit with it to understand mm-hmm. that. Because I, I said, my first response was like, huh? So, okay, I'm like, huh? Which, uh, this is one of my practices is to follow some people on Instagram that pushed me that a lot of their stuff, I'm like, okay, no, that's just too much, you know? <laughs> and then I try to sit with it. And there have been some people that it was just too much, too much. It was like hitting me all the time. And I just, I didn't know, is this wrong or is this, I can't absorb it. And so I don't, I just don't follow and that's okay. Sure. But I find a level at which it really challenges me and I have to think about it. And I feel like, um, so this is Monique Melton. Um, and so she talked about that. Okay, so I my reaction is what? Okay, so then um, we have an outside COVID-friendly, everybody brings their own food dinner with some friends. And um, one of the couple is a person of color. And so we start talking about our experiences of church. Just We were just like chatting about this. Mm. And um, I guess I need to say that one of our friends is a black person because mm. this will be specific. So anyway, um, he's talking about his experience of church, like growing up um, in a black church. Mm. And then um, we were talking, and specifically Clint was talking about his experience of growing up in a mainly like white church. And so we were talking about, like, it was, like, conservative and all these different things. Well, so Clint starts talking about the messages that he's getting. Like, what say a couple messages that you got, at least, Josh, I know, like, about life, like, and how you're supposed to be growing up at church. Um, like, youth group stuff. Oh, I don't know. Save yourself for marriage? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And don't, yeah, don't cuss. Don't. Right. Right. And our friend was like, oh, yeah, I, I wasn't getting those messages. Yet he was just as, like, committed to the church and, just, and getting some other, like, religious messages that were similar. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think maybe because 
in the black church, they were more grappling with the realities and realness of life that, mm-hmm. um, because of the, their oppression, I would say, you know, they were like, he was like, Oh yeah, no, I, I wasn't hearing like you've, because that's basically saying you've got to be perfect. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like even if you look at purity culture, that's what that is. Yeah. You've got to be perfect. Like you, and the, we're not going to tell you even and give you the boundaries of exact, you know, of exactly what you need to do and what you need to not do. We're just going to say, don't do this. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't do, don't drink and don't listen to, you know, certain kinds of music and, you know. So to take a stab at it and correct me if I'm wrong, I want to be humble. Well, I mean, I I cannot correct you if you're wrong, but I can tell you my From what you understand. Yes. So is it almost that um, sort of the moral landscape of the platform of evangelicalism is one that's derived out of privilege? Like these are the these are the things you worry about if you have the luxury to worry about these things. Well, that's kind of what I think about it. I don't know what what exactly what she would say, um, but I mean she said a lot on her Instagram. But I don't know how she would say it with regards to evangelicalism. But I'm just saying she said that 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 she felt that perfectionism was rooted in white supremacy. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then I had this conversation with my friend, mm-hmm. you know, of color. And even just talking about, we were putting it through the lens. We weren't talking about that. I never even brought that comment up in the, in the space. Yeah. But when he was talking about his experience of church and we were talking about our experience of church, I noticed that that was there. Mm-hmm. So that did make me ask questions such as, because of our white privilege, does that, I don't want to say privilege us to get to towards perfection because it's not a good thing, but does that aim us towards perfectionism? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. And it is, I mean, so it's like, you know, while we are living currently in a culture that is so deeply rooted in racism, Mm -hmm. it is sort of, um, I mean, I think in some ways it's implied that culturally, like, you know, to be white is like the norm. Right. So that's part of systemic racism is like the understanding is that like, the normative thing to be is a white person, which is obviously wrong and deeply, deeply can hurt people. Yeah. But I do think then it, um, so that, I think that sort of has to play into the idea that like perfectionism is rooted in racism and mm-hmm. like systemic racism because it, even it to be perfect is sort of implied that there's like a whiteness about mm. it of, that is dangerous and damning and, um, ooh. I haven't cussed yet on the podcast. <laughs> um, is that a? Is that a? I think damning the way you used it wouldn't technically be a cuss word. Yeah, word. I don't right? think so. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can see how those things all work together. Even if in this season, I have just been, like you said, learning so many things and mm. sitting at the feet of so many of people of color and just being like, I don't quite understand how those things all work together. But mm. I, at this point, it's very clear. That like I have not been noticing so many things yeah. <laughs> that you like just that your lived experience makes you an expert in, mm. and so I'm just trying to soak it all in. Yes, that you have to know in order to survive. Right, like stuff that's like white privilege. Like we don't have to even know all this stuff, and not only do you guys know it, but you have to know it in order to survive. Which is so it's so interesting to me because especially the um, implications for Christianity. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, 
we Jesus Christ was an oppressed person. Yeah. You know, when we're thinking about the Christ narrative. And so to be someone who experiences oppression is to be more Christ-like. Yeah. You know, like the more layers of privilege we have, um, the harder the work we have to do to understand what it is to be Christ-like. Yes. And um, I don't know that that is the... um, that that is the narrative that the American church is giving to most people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I I don't think it is. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I've been in the American church my whole life, and I haven't received those messages. Right. So I think even, I think we've just had, as an American church, hopefully a lot of us, scales fall off even more around what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, I try to think... What, how, what would have been my reaction to what you just said in January? Right. You know, I don't, I would not have been like, oh my gosh, no. You know, it's not like, right. it's not like I was like disagreeing with Colin Kaepernick, you right. know, which I think was kind of what you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, earlier. But I would not have understood it and understood that I needed to shut up too mm-hmm. as oh, much, sure, yeah. you know. Um, I would have needed to give my opinion more, you know, instead of, I think so much of this work is about humility, mm-hmm. which intersects with per- perfectionism too, mm-hmm. right? Because if mm-hmm. we're striving for perfectionism, then what, what space does humility have? Yeah, in, we within don't have that? space None. for humility, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think like, like Clint and I will have conversations about what to say or are scared that we'll say something that will offend people of color, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think what I've realized is that we will say things, we will do things, like it's going to happen. I think it's why people have to accept that. And I think that that is a very big ask for a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize that, you know? But um, I think that our, I think you articulated that so well, mm-hmm. really well. Like, yeah, like we, it's just a it's just a posture of humility, you know, because we have to realize. I mean, and Christianity is a, is a religion of the oppressed, and we're not oppressed, right. you know. Mm-hmm. I think as women, we can understand a small well, and I don't want to say small, but comparatively small mm-hmm. um, part of that. But like as white people, like what do we do with that? Like literally, I think everything that we talk about in the religious space has got to intersect with that, especially when we've been ignoring it for centuries, right? You know, so I mean, it's just we can't we can't just have the like, you know, a couple of pastors of color a few times a year. I'm just calling all of us out right now, you know, Mm -hmm. like personally, you know, like and we felt pretty good about that, didn't we? You know, (laughs) I'm going to be honest, like, you know, like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. You know, like if we can't talk about our complicity, I just think that like every conversation needs to come back to our complicity. That's the only way we're going to get any better, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I do think it's like, sorry, did you want to, okay. It is like, at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, maybe there's some awkward silence or whatever here, but it's because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, sitting with something, that's a part of it. Do you know what I mean? Just like the ability to hear what someone else said and not have to insert your opinion or sort of well actually your way out of it or soften it somehow, but just to really like sit and think about how 
I am complicit. And also, like, there are probably ways I am complicit that I'm not even aware of, you know? Mm. Like, that even as I do this work... um, Well, and it's so interesting to hear you say, you know, that you guys think about things you might say that are offensive. And, of course, we want to avoid that at all costs. But it's like... um, even that's not the end of that's not the end of the, the telos of this journey, right? It's like to to be to be able to really love people well, which is more than just not offending them, mm-hmm. and to make space to learn from other people and to admit my own mistakes and you know confess the things I've done that are wrong, um, and it's like that, and so that even that like to admit and confess implies that I will do wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like part of the journey. And it's such an important part to be able to sit and reflect. And also as a kid, I just do feel very deeply that even in this conversation that we're like three white people sitting around yeah. the table <laughs> yeah. talking about racism. Yeah. Um yeah. But I think I feel very deeply convicted that it's like a lot of what I want to do in this world is like talk to talk to people and be with people and help them see the ways that we are all complicit in the mm-hmm. in our privilege mm-hmm. about in a million different directions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I hope that there's space and grace for that. You know? Mm. Yeah. Okay, I have a final question. Okay. Um, and I don't know that this is helpful or not, but um, and. On being one time, Krista Tippett had on somebody who I think directed the archives at the Library of Congress, and they were talking about the project. I can't remember the name of it, but it's where they just recorded random people's voices for 13 minutes or something. Um, A specific name. Anyhow, uh, the the quote she gave in that conversation about why they do that, I just thought was profound. And I'm not going to get the name wrong. It was Jorge Luis Borges. But he said that the soul is in the human voice. And so I do understand that Instagram has Instagram TV and you can do the stories and whatnot and you do do a lot of talking. But if you could hold captive in a meaningful relationship or in a meaningful relational moment with all the people who have spoken so vehemently back to you, mm-hmm. what what do you wish you could find the words to help them understand? Oh my gosh. I would love the opportunity to sit in a room because I know that is terrible of things that they have said to me that they would never treat me that way in real life. Let me reframe, and I think you got it, but like, I think the podcast offers an opportunity of nuance that those things don't. So if they were good to listen to this, what would you want them to hear? Yeah. um, Oh my gosh. I, I wish we could sit in a room and I wish we could talk because I know most of them are women. You know, I know their mothers, their grandmothers, their community members, their church members. Almost every one of them will say Jesus lover or something like that. Um, they're people that know how to love other people. They're, pe- they're good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I would want to have a conversation. I don't think they just need to hear from me. In fact, I think that's, that is one of the inherent problems of social media is I can't I've got, I've, I'm going to say this, but then, you know, they're going to say that back and then I'm going to block them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But again, I have to protect my own emotional health. And I would try to talk to people before. And it, when people come out with such vehemence, you know, like it's not going to, we can't solve that in a digital space. 
But um, I would just want to have a conversation and hear because I think I really think people need to be heard. Mm-hmm. And um, Kristen Richardson and I were talking um, the other day about listening, and she was talking about listening as a spiritual practice. And I think that's huge. I think people need to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know, I don't know that Instagram provides a space for that really. You know, because you also have to be careful not to let. Those people also don't need to have a, vo- a voice that's broadcast, you know, like on my on my Instagram page. I feel responsible, too, mm. you know, because sometimes people just say nasty things about whole groups of people, you know, not just me. And I don't want anybody coming upon that. But um, but I think in a space, it would be amazing to talk. I think we could actually maybe get to more of a common ground. So, yeah, a conversation you think is more important than like. Then and you're right. I don't know that Instagram certainly has like a platform for that, but that a conversation is maybe more important than like a, a monologue or yeah. whatever information you particularly would have to share. Yeah, because they're already getting my monologue, right? <laughs> they don't like that, <laughs> so like they know how I feel about things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think sometimes somebody's response to what you just said is that's not a monologue, right? That's like a dialogue. I think that's good too. Yeah. But I think that I, I think that it's people's fear, right? It's fear and love. It's people's fear that's, right. you know, they're terrified. And a lot of times I think they haven't done work in their own personal lives, yeah. you know, in a lot of areas. And I can find a lot of empathy for that, a right. lot. When they're in power over other people, it's a different story. Yeah. You know, that's just a different space. You know, if you if we want to sit down together and have coffee, I can listen to you. I have an empathy for you. Even if it doesn't seem like you change much throughout the conversation, I can find some empathy. I might have to set a, like a, you know, 15-minute limit of how much I can handle, but I can find empathy for you. But when you have power over other people, and they're not even necessarily aware of it, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. a different story. I'm going to choose the oppressed people. I think my faith compels I don't even think my faith does compel me to that. Yeah. That's the truth. Now... Yeah. You know, I'm a flawed agent. I'm just doing the best I can. Sure. But but we all are. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's God's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on him, her. Yeah. <laughs> they. Oh, love that. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for being a guest on our show. It was um, delightful to be with you, and I, I'm, I'm learning a lot from you. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, Josh. Yeah. It was so good to have you here. It's such a fun conversation. Oh. Thank you so much for having me. I really love this podcast. And I love what y'all are doing. It's really fun. Wow. It has been fun. Well, Taylor. Yeah. Here we are. We're done with another episode. Here we are. That was so great. It was. Kelly's so great. She's so cool. And she's, um, she's. I'm trying, I was going to say smart. She is smart. But I was like, I feel like further on her journey than I am. And was like, I'm soaking all in. She has, um, you know, I think sort of intelligence and wisdom can sometimes be different things and she has both of those things she has a little bit of a um prophetic thing going on too like i just yeah. didn't um this wasn't as much as what you guys heard but she i feel like kelly just doesn't care who you are she'll tell it to you she's gonna tell you yeah, yeah. is that for energy um where, I, think the, it's healthy. I think it's healthy for energy. where do they go well that's so interesting because um fours go to one in stress so some of that perfectionism stuff was interesting to talk about and they go to two. two. Oh, and no, she's being a big helper. Yeah, yeah, big helper. She's great. Um, you know, I was just saying, I think that my what's we ask ourselves like, what's my thing to learn now? Mm-hmm. I had I had not heard the white supremacy um, 
perfectionism thing. That was interesting. Yeah. So I got quiet there in the middle, and you'll notice it, but that was not my ignoring mode. That was my, okay, I, I need to sit on the other side of the teacher desk now and just your, listen. Your listening mode, yeah. 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 It's just it's so clear she's doing such great work around this, and I'm just, it was so great to talk to her. Yeah. Well, Taylor, um, here's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Next Monday is the day before the presidential election. Yes. And I am not going to count our chickens before they hatch. Uh-huh. There's a possibility we could have a pretty special episode for everybody. Yeah. So Ooh. we won't say names in case it doesn't work out. We don't want to look bad because I'm a three. <laughs> but um, we have, yeah, actually two two cooking that could maybe pan out. We'll see. Yeah. Otherwise, at the very least, you'll have us and we're great. Yeah. <laughs> so potentially a guest, but at the very least us, which is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So... Thank you again, Kelly Harp. That was so much fun. We'll um, we'll hopefully see you all, hear you all, speak with you. I don't know. What do you say when you're a podcaster? Talk to you next week? Yeah. Okay. Cool.